The Bible is an amazing volume. Now, I realize to some people, when they think of the Bible, they think of a mystery. Let me give you a golden key if that's the case. A golden key that I believe will unlock the Bible for you so that you can better know its truth and certainly appreciate its uh, application to your own life. The key is this. The key is the man named Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think that ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Now, I do remind you, the Old Testament was written before Jesus ever came to this earth. One of these scriptures that testify of his life, though, is found in the book of Genesis, the Old Testament. It's seen there in the life of a man named Joseph. Joseph serves as a portrait, a a type. He, He gives us a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ who is yet to come. This is not by accident, my friend, but rather by divine providence. This is simply amazing. As you will look at the life of Joseph from the Old Testament, Joseph's life serves as a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ and the deity of Jesus Christ. What a great confirmation of both the inspiration of the Word of God as well as the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see... The bottom line is this, God loves his son so much that he wants to give us various portraits of his son, and he does so throughout all of the Bible. The Bible is Christocentric. Christ is the center. But not only does God love us so much that he wants to give us that picture of his son, but God wants to see us saved. He wants to see us to become children of God, and he does so. And he's concerned to do so by giving us various illustrations of salvation throughout the Bible. So as we come to the life of Joseph, we are going to see him as his father's favorite. And then you will find him as used and abused by his brothers. And then you will see Joseph as he raises to be the prime minister of Egypt. Egypt was actually the most powerful nation on the face of the earth as we read our story out of Genesis. Then you're going to find Joseph as he receives his brothers back and forgives them, restores them, and commissions them. Four great episodes in the life of Joseph. We'll notice two of them in our first message today and then two of them in our next message. Let me give you all four portraits, though, so we can get a broad overview. Number one, we'll look at the portrait of Joseph, the beloved son. Number two, we'll see Joseph, the suffering servant. Number three, Joseph, the exalted sovereign. And then finally, Joseph, the seeking savior. Let's just look at the first two today. And and if you watch carefully, you will see a picture of Jesus Christ, our dear Savior. We want to see Jesus. In fact, let's just bow and unite our hearts in prayer right now. Father, we want to see your Son, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we do not want to see ourselves. Speak to our heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Number one, let's consider, first of all, Jesus, the beloved Son. I'm looking in the first book of the Bible, reading from Genesis chapter 37. I invite you to take your copy of Scripture and follow along with me. Beginning with verse 1. And Jacob, it says, 
And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad, it says, was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah. By the way, these were slave wives. It says his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Verse 3. Now Israel, that's Jacob. Jacob's name was changed later to Israel. Verse 3. It says he loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. There's a story that many people have heard about that don't even read the Bible, the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. Now let's look at Jesus, the beloved son, as he's pictured in the life of Joseph. And I want us to notice in our message right now three things that stand out as we consider Joseph. First of all, we would think of his father's devotion. Back in chapter 37, Genesis 37, the first part of verse 3, it says that Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Now, what does that tell us about the Lord Jesus and the Heavenly Father? Well, I remember in the first book of the New Testament, not the Old Testament this time, but in Matthew 3.17, at Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke from heaven as Jesus was immersed into the water. And then he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Again, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, again, the voice spoke from heaven. We read in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now, Jesus, he was truly beloved of the Father. Those two illustrations from the Word of God certainly prove that to us. You see, this world will never settle the sin question if at first it doesn't settle the son question. And when I mention the son question, that son with a capital S referring to Jesus. Did you know that the Bible says that when we honor the son, we honor the Father? Jacob had given to Joseph a very special name. Do you know what the name Joseph means? Write this down and remember it throughout our study. The name Joseph means one who adds to, a multiplier. It speaks about an abundance. I'll remind you of that again in our preaching time. What does the name Jesus mean? Well, the name Jesus means Jehovah saves. He is the one whose life is full of abundance. In fact, Jesus said of Satan in John 10.10, The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. What is Satan? Well, Satan is the great subtractor. He removes, he pulls away. And then it goes on to say in the same verse, Jesus says, I am come, though, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, Joseph adds, uh, uh, multiplies, and uh, gives abundance, revealed again by the name that I mentioned a moment ago ago to you. 
And what a beautiful picture we have here of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as we think of the name Joseph and the name Jesus. In fact, really, there's three things that should stand out to us as we consider Joseph. I, first of all, think of his father's devotion, and then I think of his faultless distinction. Here is Joseph, who is distinct from all of his brethren. He had siblings. They are evil, and he is not. Did you actually know that there is not one sin in all of the Bible mentioned about Joseph? What a beautiful picture that is. Why again? Well, yes, he is, Joseph is, the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. My mind goes back to Hebrews 7.26. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And the passage there is referring to Jesus. You see, Joseph brought to his father the evil report. Joe is not a talebearer, but Joe is a truth speaker. Why does the world hate Jesus? Well, just as Joseph brought bad news to his father, well, I think of Jesus. And I remember in John 7, 7, it says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, Jesus speaking, because because it says they testify, I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. So again, Jesus, he comes, he, he tells the truth as it is. And just as Joseph brought an evil report, well, Jesus testifies that this world is evil. The world doesn't want to hear they are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus reveals that sin in his person and in his work. You see, the world hates Jesus because he testifies that the works of the world are evil works. So here is this boy who is his father's devotion, uh, faultless distinction, this boy who is separate and undefiled from his brothers. And the mark of that distinction, as I called attention to you a moment ago, is a coat of many colors. We read that in Genesis 37, verse 3. And this is what his father gives him that marks him, that causes him to stand out from his other brothers. It must have been a splendid, beautiful, awesome coat. To me, it speaks of the multiplicity and the, uh, the, the variegated splendor of the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus came to this earth. The Bible says, referring to Jesus in John 1.14, and we beheld his glory, it says, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what do you and I often think of when we think of Jesus? Do you think of some drab, pale, recluse? That's not the picture I think of. Rather, Jesus was the one with the coat of many colors. Jesus was a happy Savior. The Bible says God anointed him with the oil of gladness. I like those thoughts as I think of Jesus. Little children love to come to Jesus and sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one who is distinct and different in this world. So you see not only his father's devotion, but you see his faultless distinction. But number three, I want you to think just a moment with me, if you would, of his future dominion. 
Joseph, the one that we're focusing on here in our series. Well, we're focusing on Jesus, but we're seeing Joseph is a type of Jesus. Joseph had a dream, and he told that dream to his brothers. Joseph told them that he had a dream of all them one day bowing down to him, and and the sun and the moon and the stars were also doing obeisance to him. You can imagine when his brothers heard that, that ticked them off. They were repulsed at what Joseph told them about. Does that not remind you, my friend, of, uh, of Joseph and even thinking about the life of Jesus? By the way, as I give you those thoughts, my mind is still there in Genesis chapter 37, and this time in verse 5 and verse 6, where it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. So I wanted to give you the text, but look with me, if you would, now in the New Testament. See, again, this analogy, this comparison, this, this antitype. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 24, it was Jesus who said, Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So Jesus, he spoke of his coming dominion, and they hated him. Do you know why the world is in such a mess as it is today? Well, things are out of place. Jesus is not the king, and he belongs upon the throne. Satan is criminal, and he belongs in prison. The church is the bride, and she belongs with her groom. And soon it will all be straightened out. Amen? Praise God. Yes, it will. So here is the Joseph, this Joseph, the beloved son. His father's devotion, his faultless distinction, and his future dominion. That is what Joseph pictured as we portray, as he portrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's move on to our second point. Not only do we see a portrait of Jesus, the beloved son, but we also see a portrait of Jesus, uh, the suffering servant. Number two, Jesus, the suffering servant. Let me show you the parallel between Jesus and Joseph and Joseph and Jesus. Uh, For example, like Jesus, Joseph was the sent one. Consider that, if you would, first of all with me, please. Joseph was the sent one. Back in Genesis 37, verses 12 and 13. And his brethren, it says, went to face, went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here, here am I. And so Jacob says to go to your brethren. What does that remind you of? Reminds me of what I read in the New Testament in 1 John 4.10. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. You see, Jesus is the sent one. Jacob not only loved Joseph, but he loved his other sons also. 
And so he sent Joseph to minister to his other sons and also, again, to thank God. Joseph, as the suffering servant, was the sent one. But only was Joseph one that would be sent, that would be scorned and would be put in this pit that we're going to read about later. Well, he was sent, but he was also scorned. Joseph was the scorned one. Reading from chapter 37 and verse 4. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, it says they hated him. Likewise, thinking of Jesus, our dear Savior, he came down to his own, but his own received him not. They scorned Jesus. They hated Jesus. John chapter 15 and verse 24. If I had not done among them the works which no other uh, man did, they had not had sin. It says they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. So when Jesus came, he revealed the father and the people looked at Jesus and they hated Jesus, but they also hated the father. Do you see in that verse again that to hate Jesus is to hate the father? I think we mentioned early on in our lesson, in our preaching time today, that uh, the, this whole story of Joseph serves as a great reminder of the deity, the doctrine of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, why did they hate Jesus? Well, they were arrogant. They, they were full of pride. Look at Genesis 37, verse 8, and you will find out why they hated Joseph. It says in verse 8, and his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And so they said, We're not going to let you do this, Joseph. We don't want you to be over us. We don't want you to have dominion over us. Why is the world turned against Jesus? Well, the world is turned against Jesus because they don't want Jesus to have dominion over them. They don't want Jesus to rule over them. The world today does not want to bow to the bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Jesus, by Joseph, was the sent one. Jesus, by Joseph, was the scorned one. Jesus, by Joseph, was the suffering one. So let's add to it. Consider with me just a moment this theme of suffering. How, how did Joseph suffer? Let's look at him first. Well, back in our text of Genesis 37, verse 18. And when they saw him, Joseph, that is, they saw Joseph afar off, it says, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And so Joseph, he suffered a conspiracy. Let me ask you, did Jesus suffer a conspiracy? I think you know the answer. It's yes. We read in Matthew 26, verses 3 and 4 in our New Testament. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. There we have some of the last moments of Jesus leading to the passion as he would be crucified on that cross there at Calvary. There was a conspiracy against him. He also suffered abuse. What did they do to Joseph? How was Joseph abused? Well, again, going back to our text in Genesis 37, this time verses 23 and 24, 
And it came to pass, it says, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to read those verses and see that his brothers were trying to kill him. Again, what a vivid picture we have of the sufferings of Jesus Christ in our New Testament. Notice in Matthew 27, 26, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And so Joseph, he is stripped out of his coat of many colors, whereas Jesus in the New Testament is stripped out of his seamless robe. Joseph descends into the pit. Jesus himself, likewise, he goes down into the very pit of death. What an awesome picture we have of Jesus Christ. So I think we are coming to a quick agreement, a clear agreement, a concise agreement that Jesus suffered conspiracy as Joseph did. Yes, Jesus suffered abuse just as Joseph suffered abuse. Yes, Jesus suffered betrayal just as Joseph suffered betrayal. In fact, Joseph's betrayal is mentioned in Genesis 37, 28. Then it says, Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph, it says, out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph unto Egypt. Do you know whose idea it was to sell Joseph for silver? It was, it was Judah's idea. Do you know what the New Testament name for Judah is? Judas. Wow. It was Judas Iscariot in the New Testament who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Matthew 26, verses 14 and 15, we read, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him, referring to Jesus, unto you. And they convened with him for 30 pieces of silver. So Joseph is the sent one. We've seen he is the scorned one. He is the suffering one. But now Joseph is the slain one. That's right. Again, there is a parallel here, I believe, with Jesus. And it's beautiful. In, in fact, it's incredible. Joseph is slain in a figure, in a type, not in reality. What did they do? Well, it says in verses 31 through 34 of Genesis 37, it says, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Uh, no, now it may, it's thy son's coat, or no. And he knew it and said, J Jacob said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. He must have been very tearful, very sorrowful. And then verse 34, And Jacob rent, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Wow, it's a heart-gripping passage, is it not? You see, in the mind of Jacob, Joseph, his son, is dead. Can you imagine 
Here's this old patriarch's favorite son, Joseph, the son of Rachel, his truly beloved. And they bring this coat, these boys do, that shows the birthright. The coat shows the birthright was upon him, but they bring this coat and it's, it's blood sprinkled. And they give it to old Jacob. And Jacob comes to the conclusion, my son is dead. I believe that was the exact conclusion the sons wanted, the conclusion the sons anticipated. See, even in the eyes of the brothers, Joseph was dead also. They expected him to be dead. He was there in a pit, left to die. And so here is the blood-sprinkled garment. It was brought to the Father. Friend, I must tell you, years ago, the Lord Jesus was brought to heaven and, and sprinkled on the mercy seat there in front of the Father. Jesus, as he would go to the cross of Calvary. Jesus, as he would shed his blood for your sins and for my sins. Oh, there's an incredible parallel here. You see, here is Joseph, Jesus, the sent one, the scorned one, the suffering one, the slain one. What a beautiful picture we have of Jesus Christ. I trust today in this first message as we have gone through these select verses out of Genesis 37, as we've compared them to other accounts in the Gospels, specifically the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John, that you have seen that Jesus is the Savior, the one who gave his life for you and me. You see, God loves you and me so much that he wants to give us these various illustrations throughout the Bible. If you, don't know to G if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, come to him today. Believe that Jesus was the Son of God who gave his life as a covering for your sin. Call upon him to save you, believing that he did what he said he did, that he was who he said he was. For Jesus would go to the cross and die, be buried, and then he would rise again victoriously and triumphantly on the third day. The Bible says that Jesus is alive today. He's there seated at the right hand of God Almighty. Let's close our message time in prayer today. Father, thank you for this picture that is very clear to us from the Old Testament man, this Old Testament patriarch named Joseph. We see Jesus today and him alone. We look to Jesus and him alone. We trust your Son to be that covering for our sin. Thank you, God, for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.